0: Hey, welcome to the 158th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing.
1: This episode is brought to you by patron Jason Apple. I'm Matt Enloe. And I'm Warren Kaplan. And today we have Luke Corum and Bradley Jackson, the director and producer of the new Showtime show Action, which is a docuseries about sports betting. And we are very excited because this is the second time they've been on. They were on episode 77 and they had a documentary called Delt about a blind magician that is like so, so good. Yeah, it's a favorite episode of ours,
0: and so it was really a treat to get an email from them to hear about how they've got this cool new Showtime show that's airing as we speak. The finale will be airing this Sunday, if you're just listening this week, but they're all available on the app on Showtime right now.
1: Yeah, so it's a really good conversation about how you go from a featured doc, which is really something that you make for yourself, to a docu-series which is really something where you're catering to a network and a brand and all these other people that you have to make happy and i mean they're both just like really fun to talk to yeah so such, such great guys you'll really. get a lot out of this episode
0: yeah so before we hop into that conversation with them Oren. yes what have you been
1: working on lately a lot actually and this time it's for real i always say a lot but uh but usually, you're lying. <laughs> it's not <laughs> that I'm lying. It's it's usually like I'm shooting one thing and I'm writing another thing and I'm pitching another thing and I'm meeting with another person. But this time, it's it, actually you're shooting nonstop. Yeah, you're on yeah. a heater. Yeah. How many yeah. spots have you shot in the last
0: month and a half? Four. Which yeah. doesn't sound like that much, but I don't know. It, it four different clients, four different production teams, four different PPMs, and you know
1: the whole shebang. Actually, one of them I haven't shot yet. I was supposed to shoot on Friday, but we just pushed it to Monday because of. Rain your crew who's doing a lot of other commercials too. It's hard to get them to move like three days later, yeah. And the permits and all the equipment, and yeah, it's uh, how it's much a do you think it costs to move the day? Like, you must
0: have eaten some costs, yeah,
1: probably like 15, 10, 15 grand, I imagine. Like, yeah. the whole thing, yeah, pretty rough, yeah. Redoing permits, redoing posting, like, redoing, you know, we're mm-hmm. filming in a in like a residential neighborhood and we have to have permission from every single house around us to block their driveways because even though we're only filming these two specific houses all the houses behind us are going to be very inconvenienced by our presence there we have cops shutting down the streets and casting and auditions like some of the actors we cast might not be available so we have to like get our casting director on for another day and reshop, and eh, I don't know. That's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, Sounds
0: like a real pain in the butt.
1: Yeah. But so one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is this idea that when you're working on a commercial, and I'm sure it happens on TV and film too a lot, you're not supposed to post photos from set on social media. Oh, you're not supposed
0: to do that with anything.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, if you're, you're making an show. indie film or you're making your own sure. short. Or yeah. You're, if you
0: have complete control yeah definitely but like if you're on a tv show you're not supposed to post any of those photos
1: right i'm having this problem where i'm shooting all this stuff and i'm taking all these great photos on set but i feel like i can't post them like i I just did a commercial last week where i just took a picture of like some of our equipment (laughs) And I put it on Instagram, and even that, I was like... And I didn't say anything about it. It was literally, yeah. here's some lights. And I street. think,
0: unfortunately, for better or for worse, you
1: get a little bit of director privilege on that stuff. I feel like you post a lot of pictures from set.
0: Yeah, I'm very thoughtful about not posting them when they... If they reveal something, and I also am abusing the power of
1: being a director,
0: and also... I oftentimes will wait until things have already been posted.
1: That's really the move. It's just bank them. Well, you know? right. But so that's why I like start bugging people. Part of our job, whether we like it or not, is to remind people that we are shooting directors yeah. and shooting things. But by the yeah. time my things come out, I've usually like forgotten about it. So I've been really bad about it. So I don't know. That's the thing I'm trying to navigate right you're, now. You're obsessed with it. Since I've been really busy lately, I haven't had a lot of time to like focus on social media. But I think after my next June, I'm going to have like a little break. And I was like, maybe I'll just spend this week, like kind of talking about what I've been doing on Facebook and Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's all worthless. Maybe it's dumb. But I just do feel like that it's just part of our jobs nowadays to like remind people that, you know, someone might happen to see that you just filmed something with a cat and they're like, oh, we have a cat thing coming up. We should call Matt up. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh,
0: And that's also something that people elect into. I sent a couple like, hey, remember me? Emails today. Just a couple. Shifting focus a little bit. I was thinking today, because I was kind of, I had a super busy beginning of the year. And I'm kind of like gearing up to be busy again. The other day, it was a beautiful spring day. It's been incredible in Los Angeles lately. I was like, I just want to fucking goof off. I'm not going to work. I'm a freelancer. Giving myself the day off. And I immediately was like, I don't know what to do with myself. Like, it used to be when I wasn't creating full time that when it was time to, like, take a day off, I'd be like, awesome, I get to write. What a treat. And now it's like I'm like, I don't know how to have fun outside of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Especially in the middle of the workday. You know, (laughs) it's not like I can call friends up. Yeah, I guess for me, if I was in that situation, I would... Well, I'd probably yeah, call up friend, like someone and have lunch, like just schedule a lunch with someone. Right. But isn't that work? I mean, it's fun. I think sure. you can do work that's like really fun on your days off, right. like hang out with someone or you can like take your phone and go to Griffith Observatory and take some cool photos or whatever. Right, right. All I'm saying, I was not in the mood to work. But but that's not, it's like getting inspired is not work, right? Like It can be. It
0: can be. I I guess what I'm saying is that it's rare for me to have this feeling, but I was like, I don't want to think about, or ideate, or research right. in any way. Another I thing you can do purely
1: fun. Well, I don't know if this is fun, but you can like like for me, I can like organize my garage or like yeah, you know, do something that I've been meaning to do forever, mm-hmm. but I just have been putting off for years. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I don't know. It's you know, I have a kid, so the whole thing is like. Like, there's yeah, an unlimited
0: like, amount of cleaning I can do. Sure, sure. Or you could just be like, well, I guess I'm taking my kid to the park. Like, I'm going
1: to watch my kid slide down a slide for half an hour. Yeah. Well, it's weird because... So, my kid is in school from, like, nine to five-ish. That is my time. Like, if I was going to goof off or do something for myself, it would be between those times. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't think that I would, like, drive to Malibu. And one thing that I have wanted to do that I have not had time to do forever is... uh just like go buy some clothes (laughs) like i like just literally just go to like target like well the gap or like yeah yeah same difference j crew i mean just like the most generic clothing you can get today is not as colorful but last time i was wearing that palm springs full-on hawaiian shirt yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, that'll be up on instagram
0: yeah what do you think too much right
1: no i don't think it's too much at all i thought it was kind of cool but it but it, I, coming I was from coming a from... person that's a dad, yeah. <laughs> that's not a good compliment. If I think it's kind of cool, there's a chance oh, that it's Orin. getting a little old. Should I wear it with a with a trucker, a trucker hat? hat? Yeah. You should for sure. Well, Orin that actually would probably make it pretty cool. <laughs> uh, on that note, good to catch up, Orin. Let's talk about our Patreon page. Yeah, so Patreon is a, a way that you can show some support for the podcast. If you listen to it, if you feel like you've gotten anything out of it, if it's helped you sell a show or pitch something uh, or if you know it just kind of keeps you occupied while you're doing yard work in your house yeah it's it's an easy way to once a month say hey thanks
0: um, and also support the growth of the show we've been spending a lot of extra money on advertising lately which has been going pretty well so the community's getting bigger it's kind of we're at that inflection point where word of mouth is still valuable of course but you know you kind of have to start stepping outside of your sphere of influence, you know, yeah, like it can't just the be bubble. friends of friends of friends. So the other way you can help us is by rating us on iTunes or, um, telling your friends about the show, you know, because that's always, that's how I always learn about podcasts. So,
1: yeah. I feel like we are in this new era of podcasts. that's changed since we started this podcast where like, even if I go to iTunes, there's like a hundred podcasts on the front page that seem interesting. That are awesome. all yeah. celebrity driven. They're all, yeah or a, interesting true crime story or this thing or really a deep diet or everything deep dive into starting a business or whatever it is and i'm like i honestly do not know what to listen to and i now only listen to recommended to podcasts that have been recommended by someone else
0: we're living peak podcast so help our show out a little bit we really appreciate it throw us a couple bucks over at patreon or um drop us an itunes review And the Patreon is patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. And you can always go to iTunes to drop that review. Shoot us an email at just shoot a pod. Ask for some stickers. I'll mail you some.
1: Just shoot a pod at gmail.com. Okay. Let's talk to Luke and Bradley. We're here with uh, Luke and Bradley of action. Yeah, a new th- sex documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was worried
2: about that when the key art came out. I was like, "Can we make sure it says sports gambling?" Sports
1: gambling, yeah. please.
0: Uh, you guys are back. Uh, you were all the way back. You were guests on episode seventy-seven mm-hmm. with your movie dealt, which was about a year and a half ago. And you are back.
1: I mean, obviously, you guys knew that that movie was like good at the time, mm-hmm. but I can't tell you how many times since you guys were on the podcast, people have mentioned like, "Oh, this." you know this movie dealt that's so good like people even outside of the film industry oh wow, wow. i mean i have a few friends that are kind of like magic fans and they've yeah. like all seen it and i was like why have we had those guys on my podcast <laughs> yeah. clearly you don't listen to my podcast because <laughs> you wouldn't have known you don't talk about so. Magic. For those out you yeah. out
2: there who are listening who have not seen it it's about one of the world's greatest card magicians who is completely blind it is a
1: must see documentary <laughs> um i think were they on our podcast first or abby fuller I think
0: Abby was first.
1: Okay. Because Abby, before we had Abby on, I was like, I don't know if I want to have like doc people on. (laughs) Like, What are we going to talk about? Like, How they happen to find some story? Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're uh, people too. (laughs) But then we had Abby on, and then we had you guys on. I was like, oh, I don't want to have non-doc people on anymore. That's right. Uh, Well, we don't
3: see ourselves as doc filmmakers. Really? We We see ourselves as filmmakers. We're making a movie. We're not making a documentary. There you go. We're making a movie.
1: Is we're that making, really something? No, you,
3: genuinely, when we were making Delt, Luke uh, printed out this uh, piece of paper that said, like, you're not making a documentary, you're making cinema. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we, that's kind of our ethos. That's kind of our, like,
2: our... our and yeah, was
1: that related to, like, your, um, like, visual approach? Both,
2: or, everything, everything. I think, I think the moment you start thinking you're making a documentary, it's like, okay, I'm a journalist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And and there are those types of documentaries. Yeah. It's not something that necessarily we're interested in doing. Action has a little more journalism to it actually mm-hmm. than than Delt did. But um you want to think about the conflict and the character arcs and like what's that next turn mm-hmm. and visually approach too. Because the moment you just think of it as a documentary, I think but today people are more accepting of what documentary means. But sure. ten years ago you would just see it more as something like, Oh, it's a journalistic piece, not right.
1: cinema. Well, yeah, it's something that Sorry to bring Abby Fuller up so many times but she directs Chef's Table episode Cable. number 34 I just oh, okay. checked. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, she talked about how she had told us about an episode she directed about a chef that had grown up as a gang member like in some involved like with the mob or something and how she, when she filmed her episode about him she wanted to like kind of evoke like f- like those shots you saw in The Godfather and yeah. like these Scorsese films and like kind of m- like shoot it, it, it visually tell the story from like that kind of mob type of angle and it seemed yeah really cinematic to me to tell the story of like do a profile on a chef you know yeah it did sort of open our eyes up just in terms of also like realizing that you're
0: setting the entire scene right you know it wasn't just like she was following him around as he was cooking she was like no no i'm gonna pick the location i'm gonna like dress him and like light it and decide exactly how i want everything to look just like cinema
2: the company we partner with boardwalk pictures actually they partnered with david gelb to create chef's table Mm -hmm. and um when i was picking the dp for the series uh started looking at some of the dps for chef's table that's why documentary is so unique it's like it's not just one type of filmmaking so with chef's table it's more like you're lighting everything and you're setting it out you know exactly the type of um like you can dress people. Like everything is lit, like a like a narrative, like a like a movie set, um, and that's how it's done with action and with other docs that we've done. Um, it's more like fly in the wall approach, hmm. but you go in it with the mindset of like we actually scout the locations ahead of time Mm -hmm. but we don't have control where that person's going to walk or what they're going to do but at least we know where we're going and we know what kind of lenses to choose and we know like the atmosphere we're getting in can we afford to just use primes can we do a zoom so like we can do those choices but it's not like a movie where we're lighting it Mm -hmm. so i think with docs it's it's there's a big there's a spectrum yeah Yeah, sure but
1: would you ever say to like when you're not doing a talking head interview, when you're doing, when you're catching like more of the fly on the wall approach, would you ever tell your subjects like, "Hey, can you guys have that conversation over here, like yes. under that light or in this hallway or whatever?" Yes. Yeah. And like kind of put, like, kind of corral them into like a place that where you can actually shoot them when appropriate.
2: <laughs> I think you have to read the scene. Mm-hmm. If there's something that's happening spontaneous, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Right. Just kind of hands off. Let you it you just happen. let it go.
1: They've forgotten you're there, basically. Yes. You
2: <laughs> you can't it, it, you cannot recreate. A Moment.
1: Well, what if, what if, uh, like their lav mic falls down and there is a moment? Because sound let it go. is pretty important. You let right? it go.
2: Sometimes it depends on the moment. You just have to know, like, um, what's like, can I get it interfere or not? That's just a feel thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, to be completely honest, I'll be like, Um, So can y'all talk about it again? Sure. Yeah. Right. And I'll just prompt him with a question and then just back
1: off. I loved how you brought this up. Talk. Give me that one more time. Yeah. So we should probably back up for a second and tell people what action is. This is a four-part documentary series about the world of
2: sports betting told through the eyes of characters who live it. Uh, Sports betting is something that in the United States just became legal about a year ago. Um, Similar to marijuana, the Supreme Court said it's up to the states to decide Mm -hmm. For years and years, it's only been in Nevada, and it's a $500 billion illegal industry that is now becoming legal. Um, And to be honest, I knew very little about sports betting, as did Bradley going into this. But uh, we find characters fascinating, Mm -hmm. and this world has incredibly fascinating characters. So we compared it to the big short, where you're going to this world that's kind of complicated, but where you can bring and ease people into it and keep them engaged through the eyes of the characters that are immersed in that world, which is a very unpredictable and roller coaster type of world.
0: So I want to get into the characters in a second, but uh, I think think that's kind of interesting. Neither of you guys were into
2: sports betting at all? So how did this project come to be then. So how it came to be was I was talking with Boardwalk. They had seen Delt, mm-hmm. the doc we were just talking about that we just made. And
1: Boardwalk is a production company.
2: Boardwalk's a production company. They've known for doing Last Chance U, Chef's Table, doing premium doc series. They watched Delt, and they said, this is fantastic. They brought me in their office.
1: How did they see Delt? Did you send it to um, them?
2: Actually, uh, yeah, this is uh, Russell Groves, who was another producer on Delt. Mm-hmm. He was friends, Also a producer on Action. Also a producer on Action. He knew someone at, at Boardwalk. Oh, we're done. I said, hey, you need to bring Luke in. You need to watch this, this Doc Delt. They watched it and like, okay, bring Luke in. So they, they came in and I just, they sat me down and they said, we love this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what we do. We find filmmakers we want to make something with. And we want to make something with you. That's how the meeting went. It wasn't like the general water bottle sit shit, on the couch shit. thing. Like, literally, shit, I walked shit. out going, Oh, that was one of the best meetings I've had. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I came back to Bradley and I was like, Because I was staying at their house, I was sleeping on a couch. And I was like, That was a great freaking meeting.
1: Was that in LA?
2: Yes, in LA. <clears throat> and it was about a year ago. Dude, like, and it, it it took off. Like, it was in no time did this show. So basically, we were pitching ideas every other week. Mm-hmm. I threw him an idea. And that went on for about six months. Mm-hmm. And then finally, they came to me with the idea of sports betting. The first time I said, I don't think so, because I just didn't, I want to sure. make some other like people. Yeah. And then they came back again. They said, sports betting. And I was like, <laughs> let me get back to you. And then I was like, whoa, if you wake up, every, wake up every day and you don't know if you're going to make or lose money, there's a lot of conflict in your life.
0: Shh, yeah, tell me about it. Right? Yeah, right. Well, so, and if
2: your
3: financial windfall right. is based on somebody you don't know who's in their 20s shooting a ball mm-hmm. and it going into a hoop, that's like, that's, in, that's an insane way to live, in my
0: opinion. Yeah.
2: So we yeah. just started researching it, and I was like, and I kicked some stuff to Bradley, and he thought it was interesting too. And I started putting another pitch packet with Boardwalk. But then I started doing research and found out that, like, the Supreme Court had a ruling coming up where it might change the law. And I knew from pitching, I'd only been out one time pitching before to networks. The one, two things they ask, why you? Mm-hmm. Why now? Mm-hmm. Sure. This yeah. was the why now. Right. Yeah. And as soon as the ruling hit, I called up my contact at Boardwalk and I was like, dude, check it out. And he yeah, was yeah. like, okay, now. And within two weeks, we had a pitch deck put together. And, um, this is where relationships come to be. We, we, Delt premiered at South by mm-hmm. and the head of documentary films was at South by and wanted for Showtime to, for Showtime. Sorry for Showtime wanted to buy Delt in the end. We sold it to IFC, but that guy, he and I stayed in contact for like a year and he, we went to dinner drinks and he was like, took him to the magic castle, took him to the magic castle, sure, really sure, wind yeah. and dined the yeah, thing. Yeah. So the guy said, bring me something when you got something good at Showtime. So I told boardwalk, this is the guy. And I knew that Showtime with sports, mm-hmm. they have a huge sports audience. Right. And you can I ask,
1: what is like you know the Showtime guy. You'd, you were pitching all these ideas to Boardwalk. Why not just pitch those ideas straight to Showtime? Because you don't do
2: that to an executive. You don't just email an executive with ideas you have on a whim, especially when you're not like a known commodity. Right now, having done something with that network, I'd feel more comfortable saying, I have mm-hmm. the next idea.
0: But you feel better about
1: partnering with a company that has a track record.
2: For sure. To take it out. For yeah. sure. I mean,
1: is Boardwalk part of the answer to why you?
2: Yes big that's a great great question yes absolutely because it, uh, a network looks at you and and they're more familiar with me actually in boardwalk they knew boardwalk but they were friends with me at least mm-hmm. this guy in the room was but they know what boardwalk does sure they can so, look at
0: that list and be like oh okay we're so like yes yeah, so they can documentary they
2: can look at you and go oh you're you're a good director right. how do we know you can execute on a series oh you're partnering with a company that's done series mm-hmm. okay
1: but also yeah, isn't yeah. I feel like there's this thing in Hollywood where it's like, I think you're a good director, but I would like somebody else to vouch for you as well. <laughs> That's
0: what agents are too, right? Right, yeah. Right, right.
1: And so when boardwalk's like, Yeah, we made Chef's Table, we made Last Chance You, we made all these amazing shows and we think that you know, Luther Bradley should make another show 100%. with us, then that makes the showtime guy be like, See, I told you so, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we pitched it to him and we had a green light within a week, yeah. which is an insane like, <clears throat> turnaround. So. I think
0: the other thing to point out in this story is that these are relationships that are you know a year and a half old, right? Like South by, well, it was probably two years ago, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. 2017, right? yeah. So it's easy to hear some Hollywood fancy guy be like, hey, yeah, hit me back when you got something good, right? <laughs> You know, that's an easy. Yeah. You, a, a different person would think of that as being blown off and just never follow up ever again, right? And it, or, you know, uh, Boardwalk sits you down and you send them ideas for six months and they say no. They send you one that you don't like. You say no, and then they send you that again. That again, it would be easy to be like, all right, this isn't going to happen, right? So it's that perseverance that is part of what made this thing a runaway success. I right? always
2: tell people it's like it, I think this industry is. It's There's so many talented people, but it's how hard you're willing to work, and then who you know. And where you cultivate those relationships. I I didn't go back to the guy at Showtime with five different ideas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This was, I think I went to him with one other prior to this one. Mm-hmm. I think you need to reserve those silver bullets. Sure. When you get someone who's high up, do not bother them. When you get yeah. someone who's important, do not talk to them again unless you have something. And then they just impress them, mm-hmm. and then walk away. And they're like, ooh. Yeah, yeah. I know when I hear that person and get an email, I know it's something good. It's something good. So
0: so you said you had a green light in half-assed? Two weeks, you said?
2: It was a week. Three days an offer. Yeah, and then rock and roll. We were on a plane, and then what happened was, this, here's how it all went fast. They said, uh, we want the show, and then I went to Boardwalk, and um, we thought we had a year, mm-hmm. like a normal series. And then they said... Showtime called us back and was like, so we won it shortly after the Super Bowl, which would give us about six and a half months.
3: Because the general concept of the idea of the show was that we're going to follow all these gamblers, uh, the sports bettors, but we're going to follow them through the course of the NFL season, right? And so I think Showtime originally, they kind of thought in the back of their mind, like, we've done the research, when you do shows about sports, Mm -hmm. and you do it about a specific sport... You can't go longer than a couple months when right, that season right, right, ends. Right. So football ends early February. Our original Thank deadline... Thank you for letting me know. That's yeah. helpful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know dynamo. what football is, right? <laughs> barely. Barely. <laughs> throw a ball. <laughs> somebody go, catches it. Barely. Yeah. Yeah. People get concussions. Yeah, yeah, That's sure. all yeah, I know, too. Exactly. Um, but yeah, our, the original deadline was kind of June. Like, right, June, July, I guess is what they're saying. And then... Uh, they realized. Oh wait, that's way too long after football season. Mm-hmm. So they said, "How about late February, early March?" And in the back of our mind, we were thinking, yeah. "We did dealt. This movie was 85 minutes long, and it took us four years, more or less." <laughs> now you want
1: wait, to really? Do we? You were filming with him for four years. Well, three and a half.
2: Three yeah. and a half. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Remember, like you guys, kind of, you thought you would be done. And then you were like, wait, we need to keep going. In the previous
2: stock we did, it's four years. Dealt was three years. Four years. So we're coming off of seven years making two Two movies. 285 movies. And you're basically asking us to make four in six months.
1: Hopefully, I'm not jumping into this too fast, but I guess it's part of the way you approach that is saying instead of following one person, we're going to follow like five people. In the original
2: pitch, it was a chorus. Mm. That was the pitch. I mean, the pitch was a chorus of people throughout the course of the NFL season, tracking the new legalization. You're going to go through the highs and lows. Mm You're going to see people betting, losing, winning. You're going to see how uh, gambling affects people's lives. Mm -hmm. And then, like the big short, we're going to explain to people what the hell betting is. Because they told us, by the way, soon after we sold the show, we're going to give you the slot right before our biggest show on network, Billions. So we want this to be for everybody, not sports people. Right. Which we were happy to hear because... Only is a good time slot. We didn't want this to be about just sports. Right. We wanted it to be for because we weren't even into sports betting. Right. Right. I mean, I didn't really say that in the room, but like sure, sure. But you know like, what I mean?
0: yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. You want it to be appealing to, uh, to like a human
2: yeah. drama like like, you wanted, like the big short i think the big yeah, short was yeah. our, our go-to It's like yeah, yeah. look at what this movie did yeah, yeah that's why that movie took so long to get made probably sure it's because like who wants to make some other financial crash like yeah, yeah. who's gonna watch that yeah right. right but if gosling's in it I yeah watch it and, sure. and we I didn't have, have gosling and pitt and all sure, that. Sure. So. Sure. Like,
3: right. well gosling was interested but you know, the negotiations <laughs> got a lot <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah
0: you guys walked away it's we'll talk about that. something that luke
3: hasn't mentioned yet which i think is again another insane part of this process was uh, the pitch, none of the characters were signed on the dotted line. Mm-hmm. Like, we, uh, mm-hmm. all, of all the people that you mentioned in the pitch, correct me if I'm wrong, only one character ended up making it into the actual show. Correct. And we yeah. didn't know any of these characters. Right.
2: Yeah. We had nobody attached, no locations. So when they told us you have six months,
1: you're starting from scratch. I mean, we, right, that yeah.
2: wasn't even like, that's including pre-production. Mm-hmm.
1: Wait, what do you mean you had no locations? Like, do you use usually... We didn't
2: know what... Cas- no, casinos don't allow you to go put your freaking camera in there. Yeah. Right. I was this curious This is an industry that. that's taboo, that For no sure. one knows about. No one lets you in. I mean, have you been in a casino, how many cameras they have on the ceiling? Sure. They're yeah. so freaking protected. And every
3: casino is owned by a corporation that's owned by a corporation, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. pretty much. So mm-hmm. it's like the red tape There's is... not
0: like a mom and pop casino to no. go to. Yeah. There's well, one. Yeah. We found uh, we, one. We found one and we filmed
3: <laughs> in it a lot. North a Coast? Lot. Is that South, Point. South, South Point. South Point. Okay. So, yeah. Shout out to South Point. <laughs> amazing place. Kind of gross, but amazing nonetheless. If you want to smell like disinfectant and cigarette smoke, spend
1: 10 days at the South Point. <laughs> to be fair, that's true for Las Vegas, the city.
3: Uh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough.
1: I thought it was interesting, at least in the series, you say that like people on the East Coast are like really into gambling. Mm-hmm. It, relative to people on the west coast
2: mm-hmm. for sure i mean i mean gambling's huge everywhere but in the east coast it's a different thing mm-hmm. i mean it's a different mindset it's a different culture and also you don't have great weather uh-huh sure. you know what i mean and yeah, they're yeah. very sports centric because it's it's these big cities and you got like big football teams and not much to do outside and so hundreds
1: of years of history that we don't really have yes. out here in the yeah. south. and west. there's a lot of
2: mafia mm-hmm. which is why we mm-hmm. got a bookie in the show um right. I mean, it's just like a different animal I,
0: I want to go back just a second to talk a tiny bit more about the pitch, because you guys were saying that you didn't ha- you had characters in mind, right? You had people in mind, but you didn't have any relationships yet. When you're going in to present a documentary series, are you outlining, hey, this is Kelly from Vegas and you know Vegas Dave, and these are the types of people that we're looking for, even if we don't have them yet?
2: Yeah, we had a we had a pitch deck that outlined the characters. Um, How many characters? But real world characters, not archetypes. Correct. Gotcha. Um, but uh we also kept it kind of vague. Mm-hmm. And this is something Bradley are talking about recently. Is um, He was looking back at the pitch deck, and he was like, when you look at the pitch deck, it's really not that specific.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And I thought that was a really great point Bradley made, because it's not that specific. Apart from the characters on the page, the pitch deck is actually quite broad. Mm-hmm. It, but that's it, every pitch, right? But it doesn't... The The pitch, I'll just say this. The pitch was not rehearsed. Mm-hmm. Um, I went over it one time prior to going in the room, once. It was basically, here's the idea. Luke's gonna tell you about it. I talked for like 12 minutes. Wow. And then we walked out of the room, and by the end of the pitch, the guy said, "This is probably exactly what we want." <laughs> and it was, it was, and, and we, but but I also. And a it was just p- the two of you.
3: I was not in on the pitch. It was Luke and. And uh, the two right? guys from Boardwalk, mm-hmm. yeah, and somebody from WME, I think, yeah, right. Uh, but to, to, to be fair, I'm gonna I'm gonna butter Luke's bread a little bit, uh, as you can tell over the microphone. Luke is very very good. He's he's a very good pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very good. He's a very good interview. So he's a great doc filmmaker. But I think Luke presents uh, things just very matter of factly. Mm-hmm. Luke is very good at pitching. Uh, before he went in to the Showtime pitch, he literally uh, he did it for me, and I. I kind of play acted like I was a studio exec mm-hmm. who didn't know what was going on. I, you remember this? It was pretty fun because I kind of knew a little bit about...
0: You're on your phone a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're I took running a call 10 from minutes behind. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. I had somebody <laughs> walk in and hand me a note, and I was like, oh, I'm to call back. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, but uh, I kind of would, like, I would... Because I've been in a couple pitches myself, and, like, just because you have a great story mm-hmm. or even if you have a great script... Does not mean you can sell a pitch. Sure. Which yeah. I think, in my mind, we were talking about this on the way over here. Pitching, I think, is the hardest thing to do in this industry. Yeah.
0: Um, I and think so. I wonder if maybe it's um, less important than we think. Like I think that you had a yes, you had a half a yes before you walked in the door. Do you I wouldn't say I mean? that. Actually, I wouldn't say that. You wouldn't I, think I, so. Okay. Uh,
2: because I actually pitched this guy one other idea. Uh huh. About six months prior. I was in that pitch too. Yeah, and it went well. Sure. But, I, but I could tell, yeah, they didn't hit. Right, it, right. It, it's all about like... But do you
1: think it was the idea or the pitch?
2: Oh, it was totally the idea yeah. and in the network. It was about magic. And we had several people that wanted to hear it. Some of them went pretty good. Some of them didn't. Mm-hmm. And that was a great experience to go through that. This one felt totally different. But i also say this. Let me just say this. We went to a. I'm not going to say who. We went to another network. And this just happens to everybody. It was the worst freaking... Okay, no. We only decided to do three pitches. Three. His Boardwalk's pretty respected, so they're like, we're not going to go sure. all over town with yeah, this. Yeah. One of them, the guy was falling asleep at the table. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Why are we even doing this? But you just get it out, and you mm-hmm. go, I'm just going to... A warm-up warf- run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna yeah. like, whatever, I'm just going to yeah. do it, and I'm, I'm going to save this up for the next one. Mm. Uh, then we did the Showtime one, which was awesome. And I was like, oh, I think we just freaking sold that. And we did one other one where, like, maybe we did four. Um, yeah, it might have been four total. And we did one other one that same day where two of the two people, it's for two, one of them wasn't in the room. One of them walks in halfway through and is like, oh, just keep going. And I was like, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's about like, I knew Showtime, it fits their brand. Right. You have to find someone that fits their brand.
0: And that's what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. It's like the the idea is right, you have the right track record, you're with the right company, you're vouched for. So like that those are the things that you have to have up. I agree with you on that. Okay, yes. Be, before you even walk in and, and hit it out of the park. You still have to but hit it out the of the park. The pitch has to be good. I will say I've been, been on the other side a couple of times where the pitch wasn't so good and we still bought it. Oh interesting. Because we want because of all of those other things. Right, hmm. right. You know, if the script is really great and they're not great in the room, or they're great in the room and the script is bad, there are a couple ways around it a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that each network and each format, we'll say, uh, has its own list of uh, qualifications, right? And you just had all of them right there. You know what I mean? Like, like of course, this was a perfect fit for Showtime. And you kind of knew it going in. And you also knew it walking out, right? Yeah. You You knew you sold the show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, when, he, when you know you know, right? Yeah,
3: yeah it's he, very
2: true.
0: It's very true.
3: when you told me the reaction after the pitch, I was like there's I mean, you you never know obviously, but I was just like you're the show is going to sell. Like it just felt like it would.
2: Which was a good feeling because yeah. I'll tell you I'll tell you another lesson from this was uh uh it was my wife uh was newly pregnant. Oh boy. Yeah. And uh and a good friend of ours um told me this quote. We were talking about um like the pressures of filmmaking and and um, growing up, and he said that Coppola when he was making The Godfather, which was a big risk at the time, and you didn't know. And I'm not comparing this to, sure, Coppola, yeah. but but just it's a great lesson to learn. He was making Godfather and like no idea if this thing was going to work out. And then and then as a lot of great things you learn about, like there was a lot of doubt behind mm-hmm. it. Right,
1: well, it was based on these like real pulpy novels, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, and he was. He had a, a family at the time, new family, and, and he said, "You want to know if you can make it as a filmmaker? Start a family." Yeah. And I'll I'll tell you the truth, I was a little bit worried about pitching something on something that was not something that I had a connection to immediately. Mm-hmm. But I ha- but I remember telling my wife when I was researching, I was like, "Okay, I was like looking at, okay, I know why now because of the ruling of the Supreme Court. It's a sexy subject. It has tons of conflict." cool characters oh my god i think this could sell Mm -hmm. and and i looked at her i was like but i don't know like much about the world necessarily and she goes you'll figure it out (laughs) and i was like okay and it gave me all the confidence i was like you're gonna freaking figure this out and i think what we did is we just made it our own Mm -hmm. you know and i think when we went in the room you could take this a million different ways. You could do the Alex Gibney approach mm-hmm. and totally do investigative, mm-hmm. which would be super cool probably. But we were just like, we love Bradley and love the characters. Right. So yeah. it's like, how do we make it character centric, make it our own and get us excited about it? Right. And then we were excited about it and it worked.
1: And I think that's, we talk about this in pitching, like with commercials too, it's like you can get the worst script ever and the worst concept, but you have to find that thing that makes you excited about shooting it. And then that's why when you pitch it and then you don't get the job, you're like really bummed, even though you (laughs) hated the script in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, You found a way to love it. Yeah. Yeah. You convince yourself that you get really
0: into it. You feel dumb for falling in love with a concept about selling, you know, medical insurance or something. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I did, you know, my first movie was about this deaf UFC fighter that had been a wrestler and I knew nothing about Mm. UFC, nothing about wrestling and nothing about, like the deaf world or deaf people or sign language or any of that stuff. And I had a lot of that same like self-doubt of like, why am I telling this story? But I think if you're like the type of person like you guys, like we all are, that is just really interested in people. Curious. That's kind of all you yeah. need to, to, do, to have. And it's like, I think there's this illusion that there's these other people that are better fits for everything. True. But like, you just can't really think about that. Yeah.
0: Don't worry about it. So how did you guys find these incredible characters?
3: So yeah, so uh, the show was sold, and then we are more or less on a plane to Vegas. I think it was September 1, Was mm-hmm. like we got on a plane to Vegas. And at that time, we had been paired up with a showrunner, a mm-hmm. guy named Dave Check. Dave uh, ran MLB Films for like 17 cool. years, wow. and yeah. when he was like 25, he co-wrote and produced... Uh, come fly with me with michael jordan uh-huh. uh and so he was kind of a legend in the sports world uh, sports film and entertainment world and he's
2: he was, making a show right now with soderbergh on stars yeah, yeah so, cool. i mean Wait,
1: and boardwalk found him for you or yeah boardwalk came
2: it. to me and was like hey we need it, the network wants a showrunner which was new to me i thought they were trying to like you know you're not good enough but they're <laughs> like no look, like w- it's just kind of required yeah, like yeah. you have to have a showrunner that's approved it's just part of the deal it's like sure okay and Talked to this guy on the phone. I was like, "Oh, he's gonna be amazing." He, yeah, yeah, and he is. Yeah, he's he, great. He's salted. There's wonderful guy.
3: And it was definitely like, I mean, like Luke and I, we have a, we have a lot of experience, but we've never made a four hour documentary Series. in six months. Sure. Um, with,
0: like, network deliverables and notes and rushes and kind of all, there's a whole other beast to it when you're not, you know, self-employed, essentially. Yeah,
2: exactly. Well said. And
1: that idea that you talked about earlier of, like, there's a brand that showtime. Like, this show is going to lead into billions and needs to appeal to those same people. Yeah, yeah. In a way that with Delt, you probably just made it for yourself.
3: Exactly. Yeah, and Delt was just one character. And we knew going into Delt, this guy's already Fascinating. He's a blind card magician who's a black belt in karate. Like that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Whereas with this, we 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 got on a plane to Vegas on September first, really not knowing any of these characters. We'd, we we done research. We done research. We had Kelly. Uh, Kelly was the only character that was in the pitch book, right?
2: That, yes. But uh, we had archetypes of yes. the other people. Mm-hmm. We wanted a, We yeah. wanted a.
3: You know, we wanted a, a handicapper. We <laughs> wanted. A, a, professional better. Now, someone
2: just out there yes a handicapper um a handicapper is someone who breaks down what's going to happen in a game but from a gambling perspective so if you watch espn and an analyst is talking about a game same thing but from a gambling perspective that's a handicapper
1: right but are they the ones that determine how much money you'll make based on like that, the, they, that they
2: just say like okay when you watch a game and you hear about the favorite and the underdog. That comes from gambling. Mm-hmm. That's not something that's just made up by sports people. That is comes from Vegas setting a line, which team is favored by how many points. So, a, but a, and
1: that changes as people are gambling, right?
2: Yes, it changes yes. on the fly, kind of like stocks. Who buys which side? And so, a handicapper is someone who like talks about like if the if the Cowboys are favored to win by a touchdown. Um, Kelly Stewart, a character in our series, will talk about whether you should bet. On the side of whether they'll win by more than a touchdown mm-hmm. or less than a touchdown, mm-hmm. like that type of thing. Right. So anyway, right. And so uh, we, you know, we show up in Vegas,
3: and we have, you know, we're going to meet with Kelly. We want to meet with a professional better, mm-hmm. somebody who actually all they do is they make their living betting sports. Uh, and then we wanted to meet a what's known as a tout. Mm-hmm. A tout is somebody who says. I'm so smart. I'm gonna sell you a game for five hundred dollars or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You pay me that five hundred dollars, and I'll tell you, okay, it's Cowboys. You gotta bet the Cowboys against the spread, mm-hmm. and then,
2: you know, that's that's Wait, the they transaction. Just,
1: they're like a consultant. Consultant, exactly. So, so Vegas Dave is the the <laughs> tab, <town>, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. So Vegas yeah, yeah. Dave, more or less, as Bradley so eloquently put it, every. Every series, every show, you gotta have like it's nice to have a villain. Sure. Yeah. He's our complicated Especially an ensemble, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's our complicated villain. Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt, he's a complicated villain. And we had sat down on Korean barbecue with this guy, and um, he's super fascinating, super interesting. He the sports betting world hates him. yeah. Sure. And we wanted to know why, and is he misunderstood and in what ways, and mm-hmm. shine an objective light on that. So we met with all these characters that drinks. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, three days straight. Speed dating. Speed dating. Was Dave Check, our showrunner, put it?
1: Wait, out? so, sorry, Vegas Dave, you <laughs> give him 500 bucks and he tells you what bets to make?
2: Yes. Yeah, some people yeah. may pay him 5,000 a week.
3: Yeah.
1: And it's s- how often do they win?
2: See, that's the thing. In that's the show, just, yeah. in episode one, he says he wins 75% of the time, right. which people... In the show, like Cousin Sal's, Jimmy Kimmel's cousin, and other people who are famous, like Brent Musburger and other sports professionals, say that's freaking impossible. You can only win, if you're a super professional, you can win 54 to 56%. There is no way to win more than that in the long run. And this guy says he has a gift from God from sports betting, which from a storytelling standpoint, we found fascinating. So Amazing. Good. Yeah. Wait, but well, so you it, didn't it, run
1: the statistics on it while you were with him?
2: We, so... At the end of the show, episode four, we have a scorecard for everybody. Mm-hmm. Just get ready. You should watch episode three and four because it just goes on a dark carnival ride. Oh no! And in yeah. episode four, it goes darker and darker with Dave. Because
0: yeah. I'll admit, I've only watched the first episode, mm-hmm. and everything seems pretty tame and happy. Like no one's lost their home
1: or like. Well, the you know end of the I first mean? episode. I mean, you definitely foreshadow. Yeah, well, something. You, you know it's coming. So we d- you know we their lives make- are going to go.
2: Each each episode, we want to make a theme. One is about the excitement. Mm -hmm. There's so much money to be made from sports gambling and all this. It's legal now, yeah. It's legal. It's exciting. Two is about, hold up, uh, people become addicted. People's lives Mm -hmm. can be ruined. Cities have
3: been ruined. Atlantic City. Atlantic City has been ruined by gambling, honestly.
2: And do people always win? You find out about Vegas Dave Mm -hmm. that... Has he always been a winner? You meet his parents sure. who have bailed him out of hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Oh. And, and I just oh. don't want to ruin anything else. Four, yeah, you yeah. get into his legal troubles. Yeah. What, so. can
1: Are you allowed to tell us the theme of episode four?
2: So so episode one is about the excitement. Two is about the cautionary tales. Uh, addiction, the dark side, the losses. Three is kind of a mixed bag, but we also go into fantasy, fantasy sports. We find a kid who's 26 years old who makes millions of dollars betting sports on mm. his computer. Um, and we also the playoffs arrive, so all of our characters are betting on the same game, which mm-hmm. is fascinating because the the camera's cutting to all of them. Sure. And uh, villain Vegas Dave goes against our professional better crack in episode three. Mm-hmm. They're betting on the same game. And four uh, arrives at the Super Bowl, which is the biggest betting spectacle in the world. And we have cameras and with all of our characters across like the different sports books in Atlantic City and Vegas. and they're all betting on the same game. and Vegas Dave goes all in in a way he's never gone in before
1: oh
3: no
2: how's that wait yeah. and oh, so that how good. many how many yeah.
1: crews do you have
3: oh that's a good question on that day on the super bowl day we had one, two, three, five. four. Five. yes yeah. five five crews and that's a crew
1: amazing. is like two camera people and a sound person and single camera
2: yeah single camera for the whole show
1: oh yep. really yep oh yep. and what's the logic behind that
2: i like single camera
1: is that how you shot delt too
2: yep Single camera, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, wow.
1: just, there's never another camera in your shot, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> was, uh, a, you always get on the eye line. I was actually yeah. curious about um, watching. I, I watched it last night, the first episode. Like in your mind, Luke, what makes like a good establishing shot? Like, how do you figure out? Because uh, you know, I watched like there was a shot like where we cut to the casino, and there's like a guy cleaning the the you know the carpets.
0: There's also sorry. There's also a great shot. Um, where you're at the casino, your home casino uh, that I South Point, South Point. Thank you. Where they do like a guy drives by on a golf cart and like wipes the title. I <laughs> was well, like, oh, that's fun. Like those, those are the ways you get to kind of like, like make a. You uh, just made my day. Oh, good. I'm <laughs> so happy. <laughs> but you ruined but like, Luke's day. <laughs> no, 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 no. Luke, Luke loves that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it's so good. Oh, that's how you kind of jazz up a, a documentary. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's those little flourishes.
2: Well, so one. The network on their first watch of episode one was like, so I love where you've taken us. You've taken us to the parts of Vegas that no one sees. Sure, yeah. I mean, it is the parts no one sees, but you need to take us there after we've seen the part that everybody has seen. Oh, interesting. Sure. Which I thought was interesting. There was like all this flash of Vegas that yeah. actually wasn't in the first right." Um, Cut.
0: People but, are like, oh, I've been to Vegas. I don't recognize they're this. They're like, let's yeah. see
2: the yeah. sexy women and the lights. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, we just went to the degenerate yeah. eight miles off the strip. You've yeah. never... You're right, making Where a the TV hell show. am I? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, it's a weird. bunch of 80-year-olds talking about the Vig or whatever. Exactly. right <laughs> yeah. <which is> exciting. <laughs> and interesting and weird. So I'll say this. The DP, Gabe, is... Amazing he did uh, last chance you his DP of that and I remember watching that show and there's something about when you do verite you have to have a sense of um, You have to be sensitive to the nuances of Mm -hmm. people and to find the quirkiness and to find the little details that no one sees and shoot Something in a way that no one sees but you don't have much time to do it Mm -hmm. He does that and so I had always been behind the camera a lot for the stuff I've done, and behind the computer for the edit room, mm-hmm. and I knew with this I was gonna touch neither. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I gotta find a DP that like I just know is gonna just knock it out of the park.
0: And practically, are you on a wireless monitor? Do you have a headset? Like, I, how have are you a, communicating I have a with?
2: monitor, yeah. and um, I'm just speaking to my IFB. Yeah, yeah. And and we but can. You're next it, to him. Um, a distance away, yeah. and um, you know, the first it only took about. Five or six days until we were in the groove together. Mm-hmm. Um, he has great well, instincts. doing the
0: thing before you were about to. Call a lot it. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: He would just like know to get that shot or get that spot. And then it was to a point where it was like I felt comfortable. I'd be like, okay, get wide now. Okay, in a minute after you get this shot, hold it two, three seconds. Get this tight of this. But I wouldn't micromanage mm-hmm. but there was some times where i'd be like i know exactly what i want i don't want to make sure i'll make sure it's not missed right, right. and he appreciated that and otherwise one's just you gotta know when to let someone loose like gabe loves b-roll mm-hmm. he just gets off on it yeah yeah. and so like these establishing shots you're talking about like i watched last chance you and for those of you who have not seen it watch it he made roll parts of um alabama mississippi was it mississippi yeah yeah look incredible yeah. and just like ooh, that's that's unique the way you shot that I, I, I never saw it that way before and so i would just turn him loose i'd be like every time we go to a new location i'd make sure there was built in an hour mm-hmm. of gabe b-roll. time oh nice just gabe getting his rocks off yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just be like gabe b-roll time yeah, yeah and i would watch what he's doing but like i knew he was just he was just getting it you know yeah. and he would see things in the scene he'd see someone like really quirky like as it goes on it gets even better like people like watching the people were filming and he'd capture their reactions and I'm mm-hmm. like we would laugh and I'd be like this is great yeah
3: there's was so uh, Luke mentioned that he uh, his wife is was pregnant she's since had the baby um, but there was congratulations yeah congrats Thank Luke you. little Levi I met him last week he's very cute um, but there was one uh, when his wife was more or less in the window the three or four week window right word, right Luke was just like unvery understandable. He was like, I'm I'm not traveling for this shoot during that time, so it was more or less me and the showrunner directing. We were in Atlantic City, and we were <clears throat> shooting. Atlantic City is a much different flavor than Vegas. It's a lot. I think it's cinematically a little bit more interesting because it's a lot more depressing. Uh, so we were shooting in the sports book, and Gabe was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna go get a couple establishing shots," and I was like okay, cool. Yeah. Just come back in like 15, 20 minutes. And he was gone for like 45 minutes. And I kept getting on like, Gabe, hey, where are you? Where are you? He's like, I'm getting good stuff. I'm getting good stuff. And then he finally, I'm like, I finally run outside and I find him. And he's like, I found, I, I found like the most insane little like inserts of like, so when you gamble, there's all these, you have these sports book tickets. Mm-hmm. And if you don't win, you th- discard the tickets He found this, like, obscure alleyway behind Mm -hmm. uh, the sports book, and he saw this old guy
0: picking up tickets. Picking up the tickets, sure. You see that in
3: episode one, right? Yeah, Yeah. and and when he showed me, he's just like, watch this. I was just like, oh, my gosh,
0: dude. Right, because those are the shots that you need to build emotional beats, right? But they're not obvious. It's not like you know like well i'm gonna go be sad now and, <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> hey, but that's you know. the thing about the establishing shots too i just yeah. saw a friend of uh, ours just made a pilot uh with like a good budget and stuff and i watched it and i was like i think everything's good here but i never get a sense of like where they are we're just like inside mm. buildings and it's like that's what i felt like action did so well is it like introduces you to someone weird but then just kind of you know and then you see them in action and then you kind of like get to breathe for a second or like there's like the shot of, like, the girls taking a selfie in front of, like, the Welcome to Vegas sign or something. Yes, which is, like, I love that. So such pr- yeah. an, it's so simple but so nice because it's, like, a shot about how people think they're supposed to, like, love how Las Vegas. How they feel Vegas. about Vegas. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Well, see, that's, that's, that's gay. I wasn't even around for that day. I mean, the, the truth is something I learned a lot from making the show is that you don't have time... Yeah. To tell people what to do all the time sure. <laughs> in a show yeah. like this. Especially
0: when you've got five crews on a big day, right? Yeah, you I know. mean, that
2: was insane. I didn't even meet the other four DPs. Sure, yeah. I spoke to them on the phone for an hour. Yeah, yeah. And sent them episodes. And and just watch episode four. When you get to episode four, just imagine those are... And it turned out freaking fantastic. Yeah. But like, uh, the big lesson was, even with editors, was just like, you can't be everywhere. Mm-hmm. You're not doing everything. Your your job is directing. Bradley, you're producing. This is your job, right? Like you need to find people, tell them what to do, mm-hmm. empower them, give them a right. direction and walk away. Right. And when you find the right people, just magic happens, especially mm-hmm. when they latch on the subject matter. Right. Like, like Gabe didn't even care about sports or anything, but he just loved the people and the atmosphere. And he just gets those big eyes, you know, Gabe's got it. <laughs> yeah. Walk away. I feel like well,
1: Gabe's going to get a lot of jobs after this. Yeah, interview. Not that he probably already has a lot of jobs.
2: Well, you know, what's funny. I, I DP was huge. Yeah. Like, I was a little nervous, like, I'm not going to touch the camera. This is. Sure. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, right. Because you were shooting before you.
2: Yeah. Right? Totally. Like yeah. Verite. Verite yeah, yeah. is so difficult. I mean, and you're play.
1: never like, oh, I'll just bring a second camera just in case well, there's something I, I, I see. Well, I
2: purposefully. We shot with the Amira, and um, I and didn't like even know how to use lens? it. A zoom lens? A zoom, but a lot of primes. But I didn't know how to use the Amira. Mm-hmm. I purposefully was like, I'm. Because it was it was like, we could do the C300. But I was like, no. <laughs> we're gonna use a camera yeah. i can't even touch because i won't know how to even use it yeah, yeah and i love that i love the challenge of like hired someone who's very talented mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now you're using an instrument that you can't possibly touch just trust the person yeah, sure. right it's
3: just like we, we edited on the avid right and uh uh yeah, dealt was edited yeah. on uh premiere right yeah, yeah, yeah and and so it was like i can't edit anyways yeah, but yeah. like luke luke can edit but the Avid
2: is
0: just like, right. it's a different, oh, when so you can't like sit down and like yeah, noodle for a second. Yeah. I could do anything.
2: I didn't touch an edit stroke, which yeah. is incredible.
1: And you like, didn't make you feel, it made me feel like amazing. You, like, Oh really? <laughs> you didn't feel like you, there no, must see, be something that you haven't. See
2: like with dealt. I remember when I was telling Russell and Bradley, um, we're making dealt and we had enough money to hire an editor. And I was like talking about this guy that, um, we'd gotten a suggestion about in LA. His name's Derek Boonstra and he's super talented and, and they were like, "Luke, are you gonna be able to do it?" Because like they knew me. I'm a perfectionist, and I like to like sure. get in there. But I was thrilled to find someone who I could tell from watching his work. It's like he he's better than me. I can't yeah, yeah. do I can't do what this guy can do. Yeah. And it was liberating. He was in L.A. I was in Austin.
1: Mm-hmm. So I,
2: that gave me the courage to go.
1: Wait, this is on action or on? That's dealt. on Delta. Yeah. So okay. it
2: gave me the courage going into action to know now you're gonna hire six editors. Mm-hmm. You won't touch anything. Okay, you did that with Delt. Just find a camera guy who freaking takes it by the balls, right. who, who you've watched his stuff and gone, damn, that guy gets it, mm-hmm. and just let him go.
1: Yeah. Wait, yeah. six editors for four episodes? Six
2: editors and three, three story, story producers.
1: Ooh, and what did the story producers
2: do? So just imagine this. We were delivering a rough cut of episode one, three and a half months after filming. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and, we, and we had not been in no the edit. No characters. And we had not yeah. been
1: in the edit room for more than two weeks yeah
2: like actually physically yeah before you are delivering that first cut to network
1: it's so funny because like in narrative the narrative world that doesn't seem daunting at all yeah because right? you have a script yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but in the doc it's like yeah i mean i guess our script I'm, was what i'm getting is that it's really stressful
3: <laughs> yeah our script was two cork boards Mm-hmm. that had uh note cards
1: right and oh, interesting
3: yeah um I'll pull it, up. It, it ended up being i ended up falling in love with it because like our um the ep one of the ep's of the show uh andrew freed um like was like when one of our early meetings was like we're gonna you know you're gonna be fall in love with the can cork you share that with us." yeah,
1: yeah we'll cool. send you that we'll
3: send you that awesome.
0: check. Sure. that'll be in the show notes every once so yeah you, can check
3: it out. you know i study structure i'm a, I, I i've i alternate pretty much between screenwriting and and doc filmmaking and so I know structure I know all the things and but we didn't really we kind of did that with Delta a little bit but not over four mm-hmm. episodes not over four hours and after about a couple of weeks I was honestly just in love with just like Oh, let's get the board out. Let's get the board out. Let's move the cards. Let's like add another card. Let's get let's color code them. Oh mm-hmm.
2: man,
3: I'm not I'm not that OCD at all. Yeah, yeah. But like I got really
0: into you got it. Got into it. That's
2: so. It funny. was really fun. Now, let's the- also say this. So, so you know how crazy the timeline is. Showtime had never done something like this, and neither had Boardwalk. Wow. Okay. Like in our, that time, you're saying in that time frame, and our showrunner had done week deliverables where they do a season with a team. Mm-hmm. But you knew where the where it was going. You follow the team in practice, they're gonna have a game right. and you turn it around. Right. Like and they would do it on a they'd start filming on Monday, deliver on a Sunday. It was insane, but like you knew what the story was. But we were doing you, something where you were
1: working towards the Super Bowl,
2: right? We so the the, the season works towards the Super Bowl, but you didn't know each episode where it's not like ending on a game.
0: Yeah, it's not like we're betting on each football game
2: no. until we get to the Super Bowl. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and it's not. Did re- you
1: know your themes like when you pitched it? Uh, no,
3: we knew that we wanted to be an episode of, to be about addiction, just because mm-hmm. like that's sure we knew res- uh, journalistically, it would. Not be great if we made a four-hour thing about sports gambling and we didn't talk about addiction. Mm-hmm.
2: But that's wrong. and then the black market. Like we had like contextual pods, we called them historical mm-hmm. moments that we needed to include from a journalistic standpoint. Right, right. That was actually in the pitch. The pitch deck had six things in it. Yeah, we're going to talk about this. Gotcha. But in terms of like how each episode ends, I did a rough pitch in the room of episode one. Mm-hmm. I actually don't remember how that ended. Sure, and yeah. it didn't end. It ended something with the bookie, I think, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was rough. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and they must know also that, like, you're going to find it a little bit. Sure. As it's yeah. going, right? Like, yeah. They, yeah. it's not their first rodeo
1: when it comes to documentary. No. So. Yeah. I'm curious because this show is so much more, like, character and story based um, than about, like, the visuals. Like, when you're pitching and you're, when you're making this pitch deck, like, what type of pictures do you put in that type of thing? Or do you not put any pictures yeah, in it? some pictures. Um, like, do you talk to them about what it's going to look like? Or is that not really...
2: Nope, we did not talk about what it was going to look like. Not at all. Uh, there, were, there were visuals in there. Um, it had helped because I think Delt was a very visual piece, yeah. in, in especially
3: in the way that uh, Luke and Jake Hamilton, the DP of Delt, uh, filmed like, the card magic. So I think Showtime, yeah. Vinny, who was a big fan of Delt, uh, knew that the show's probably going to look good, especially if you're shooting in Vegas, and you're shooting Atlantic City, that's just, they're both cinematically interesting looking
1: places. Yeah, lots of lights. Lots of lights. And and
2: Vinny did know, like, the guy at Showtime, he did know, like, in the pitch room, he even said, I know, know, Luke, you won't have a problem with characters. Mm -hmm. But I want to know, from a journalistic side, can you do this? Mm -hmm. Because, like, the thing is, the show actually tackles a little more journalism mm-hmm. at certain points. Sure. More than dealt, certainly. Right? More than so. dealt. And it's and it's appropriate because we're talking about a $500 billion illegal industry going legal. It's going to affect, even if, I mean, if you're not even into sports, this is going to have a huge effect on the United States. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. gigantic. And if you're into sports, it's going to change the way you watch it for the rest of your freaking life. Mm-hmm. So it it is a big thing to talk about. So he was like, I just want to make sure we get that in there. Right. And that was actually the biggest challenge for us was how do we make sure and incorporate that because that's uh characters come first to
0: us so yeah so how have your lives changed like now you've got a showtime show under your belt like do you know what's next is it you know what's what's the the next step for you both
3: luke was still editing on the fourth episode today
1: (laughs) (laughs) are you
2: serious this timeline's been insane yeah when does it come out fourth episode comes out in a week and a half ten days
1: and you're cutting here in LA?
2: Yep, I do color and sound mix tomorrow. Wow. So, 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 <laughs> as far as our life's changed,
3: my life has changed because I stopped working on it eight days ago. Like, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> so Congrats. I have a lot more free time now. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I'll let Luke answer that question. Showtime's extremely excited. I think we exceeded their expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, given the timeline, they didn't. They knew we'd do something good, but they were like, "Quality is top notch." So. Hats off. Um, You know, it is too early to say. Are you guys
1: looking at like ratings and things like that? Yeah, it's
2: interesting. I have not asked them for that. And I think the time will come where I will. But Mm -hmm. I don't want to ask that right now. All I know is the feedback from them is you knocked out of the park. And that's all we want to hear right now. Sure. Um, You know, ratings. The weird thing is HBO and Showtime are the last of the breed that actually broadcast something. It is fascinating. I love it. Having something what we do like. It's having something weekly released, mm-hmm. it yeah, actually like, has this more excitement. Yeah. And like, you can get on Twitter and like yeah. check out what's going Ooh, on and, I can, Yeah,
3: get mad at trolls, which yeah. I've done like a
2: couple times, just Be a couple cool. times. And yeah. they had TV commercials for this, yeah, during yeah. uh NBA games. Sure. They, they just did NPR With yesterday, tune in, you know, yeah it's, yeah, yeah, it's like it's like what's gonna oh, we did uh, oh, um, Prevons. Pre- We've never done them before previously oh, on no. for each episode. It's really fun to Which, edit those. But just yeah. to show you the insane timeline. Like, we were delivering episode two. And then we were like, hey, um, who's doing the previous ons?" <laughs> and, like, we looked back in the contracts and was like, I don't think anybody is unless we do it. And we're like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, like, yeah, we sure. don't have, like, I'm literally finishing episode four tomorrow. Like, we don't have time to do yeah. this. And we found the time sure. to edit previous seons. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Whose call is it? to have a previously on ours the production yeah. company and
2: and us it's just like do you want to do it or do you not want to, and with a serialized thing you got to do it right yeah
3: especially since it, there's a couple of characters that are only in one or two episodes and so mm-hmm. it's if if, the, if there's an episode that they're not in and then you got to wait another week it's nice to just go hey remember this guy sure. remember this right. girl like
2: in episode one there's a guy who puts millions of dollars into a hotel a casino in atlantic city having mm-hmm. never been there oh yeah, yeah. he doesn't appear again until episode four and there's a big payoff but oh. like we had to have a previous line to let you know what the hell happened yeah, just who re- is this guy remember this guy remember yeah. this right, guy because sure. right. i've him. actually noticed there's an art to it and i was yeah. actually kind of excited by the challenge after we decided to accept it which i wasn't happy about and then i was like okay maybe we should <laughs> but then we're like let's look at our storyboard yeah and we'd look back at this board which i guess we're going to post online um and we'd go oh we're in three okay what do we need to show and it was like okay it's not just what happened in two like we need to pull back something Mm -hmm. from one and four was like oh no no we go back to one and then two and three here and then like how to frame it yeah yeah um, but that was our showrunner helping us too he's like don't worry guys i've done this he (laughs) actually wrote him out for us yeah it was really nailed it so um
0: let's talk about that a little bit more actually because um I'm curious to know what a showrunner does in a documentary space like this. He's, is he boots on the ground? Is he out there with you guys? Or like how does it work?
2: So I was actually worried about it too. Um, because I was like, wait, am I not good enough? <laughs> you know, um, I got this. But it's great. Um, the showrunner makes sure that it's it's a safety blanket for the network. That mm-hmm. they know it's going to be delivered. Mm-hmm. And that there's a person who's done this before who's going to shepherd it through. Now, they don't replace the director. They're not like someone who, in the narrative space, showrunner. But what they do do is like, they just are that comfort and they're that wisdom. Mm-hmm. So like, Dave Check for us was, uh, helped us when we went out and casted all the characters. Right, Bradley?
3: Yeah, he he's he's very good at uh, selling the vision of the show. Uh, just as Lucas, and I think just as I am too, but uh, Dave just has that uh, kind of gravitas. He's he you know he's done a bunch of thirty for thirties. He's run the MLB Films Network department for eighteen years. So when he sits down and says, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. Sometimes I think the characters that we're talking to are a little bit more at ease. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he had a couple connections within the sports world that helped us, in the gambling world that helped us here and there. Mm-hmm. He got us our our first really big uh, uh, sports. Celebrity, he got us Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. who will pop up in episode three. Um,
2: he fa- he found us our bookie.
3: Yeah, he found us our, our illegal bookie. Uh, he knows
2: a guy. He <laughs> he knows a guy. He knows a guy. He knows a guy. Knows a guy. Um, but and he, al- and also, I would say he 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 has great wisdom in how do you do something this fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. and also like when he and I were sitting down and just finding how to build out the team, he was like. I was like, okay, I had to hire a DP. I think it was actually three days, guys. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't five. It was three. I remember yeah. like, it was pretty stressful. And then it was like, and you got to find editors immediately. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, check. Who do you have? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and sure. he just sent me a list of editors. I was just a fantastic team. Like, yeah, it was our a, editors were insane. Lights out. So he brought that to the table.
1: And so do, who makes the cut first, you or the showrunner?
2: Oh, who makes the actual cuts?
1: Like, So the editors are cutting, and then you sit with them and... Is yeah it, is like, it like TV where you're like you have a director's cut and then the showrunner does no their the cut?
2: showrunner never in this case never has like their own cut It's not like he supersedes anything mm-hmm. uh, he never and he's also a very humble guy he's never like one where then it um, works like well we want to see what the showrunner says yeah. never like that yeah, yeah. he was just like um, he would give his advice on things he would watch right. cuts he had great notes whereas like
0: in like scripted TV. There wouldn't be a like, well, we want to see what the showrunner says because they're the only person talking to the network. And exactly. The person, like, you know what right. I mean? Like, the director's like on the
2: next job already. I was on know? the phone, like, with the network most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating.
3: Yeah. And, and there would be times where, like, Luke would be in the field for five or six days and mm-hmm. I would be running the editing room. And mm-hmm. then I would, and then there would be a couple times where, like, Luke had to, like, stay in the editing room because we were on a tight deadline and the the head of the network of showtime was going to come in the next day to watch the episode Mm -hmm. so me and dave the showrunner were in the field directing and and making sure everything was moving forward right so it's very much a division of labor type of thing
2: yeah that's well said total team effort and just that in the end the showrunner is just like in the doc world um you actually have to get to a certain level and i don't even know eventually maybe i'd want to do it but you would you get to assume both roles? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a freaking lot. <laughs> I'll just sure? say kind that kind of like a head yeah.
3: coach. You can every now and then come in and then ball and like yeah, slam yeah. dunk it. Yeah, but you
2: yeah. get I mean you get paid more if you want to do both. But like I was actually doing some digging and found out that like I knew somebody who like finally got to do like directing. I'm okay. I was a director and executive producer. You want to direct, EP, and showrun? You're talking about like do you ever want to have a break in your life sure. Like and, yeah. and then you get paid more but like the stress and i just think that this this is a team sport yeah and like i don't know if i'd ever want to even do that like we would not have survived without our team like if bradley didn't do what he did if dave check didn't we did If every single editor story producer assistant like if we didn't have elf hands on deck we wouldn't have made it yeah so yeah. i'm just in the end i'm thankful boardwalk was like you got to have a showrunner. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, in the end, it wouldn't ever turn out to be the best thing ever.
1: Killer. Yeah. So, what's uh, what's next?
2: We were just spitballing some ideas before we came here over yeah. dinner. Yeah. Um, Are you
1: serious? For new shows? Yeah. I yeah, mean, what's no your idea. take on shows versus features? Uh,
2: I mean,
3: TV's kind of the coolest right now. <laughs> that um,
1: That's one thing that is 100% the same, I think, in. Narrative and docu.
3: We are kind of in the golden age of docu-series. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's just so many untold stories out there that that can mold for a uh, long-form true-life documentary series Mm -hmm. that I think there's a lot of great stuff out there. Um, Luke's very passionate about narrative. I'm very passionate about narrative as well. Um, I write a lot of screenplays as well. And so I think that um you know, and and we treat all of our documentaries like like they are they would be a movie, you know, um so I think that's something that we're kind of batting back and forth a little bit, but uh we are just try, <laughs> trying to finish this one so.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: and is are you a William Morris is that your no, I don't even have an
2: agent, I just have a manager. Is yeah. it um
1: a
0: correct guess to say that the number of uh documentary companies is small enough that you can kind of just get to know them without having an agent no is that not right not no.
2: without having i would say you need an agent or yeah. a manager interesting you need one of them I mean, yeah. you can't just no yeah you can't just, you just go can't and, meet him at oh, south by no no. <laughs> no it's not gonna happen <laughs> i mean the cool thing is like i got this manager after doing Delt, he got me another job but then i end up turning that job down for the one with boardwalk mm-hmm. with that we made uh action Gotcha. But uh, now he's opened up doors for other meetings that there's no way I would have got into, even with making this show. Sure. But he was able to say, I got a client, and now I got the meetings. He's got a show at showtime. You got yeah. to have somebody. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a team thing, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 Orin and I go back and forth on that.
2: What, what? Just in terms of, like, how valuable that stuff can be. Do you know what I mean? I would say that... Right after making, I've I've listened to some of y'all's discussion on this actually. Mm-hmm. I'll weigh in on this if, great. if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Um, after making dealt, I was like, I wrote out like I'm very goal oriented, so I have like all these goals that I write out. And I had a serious like for the and I was also with my wife and everything, about getting pregnant, so I had a mm-hmm. bunch of goals. Right. Sure, sure. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I will do this. I will have one big feature or series created this year, or I will have like four small things I'll do and one in development. Mm-hmm. And I hit the first one, which was incredible. But I was like, I also need one manager or one agent. So what happened was like after dealt, I actually had a few people reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, like email. And be like, you know, you want to meet up? And then I started asking friends, like um, I asked Bradley about his manager at the time. And so yeah, I asked him, asked other friends, like who should I go to? Who should I meet with? And then I set up a bunch of meetings. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just it was, like
1: by emailing people? No.
2: So some that did emailed me and some right. that I knew friends of friends. So you'd be like, hey, you know, hook yeah, me up you, you're like, I one, just one, went yeah. south by. Could you make an introduction? Yeah. I had yeah. this film. It won an audience award south by. You know, send it to them. Blah, blah, blah. And I had about six or five set okay. up. Great. Yeah. So like, cool. Be my, You know, see how this goes. All yeah. in LA? All in LA. And, and you live I in Austin. I live in Austin. So I came out here and I will say that like two of them went well. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> and and what's the difference between a good meeting and a bad meeting for you okay so the difference
2: was one of them the guy was super green and i could see straight through it Uh huh. you know i'm a salesman i know how to sell stuff sure, and sure. i could tell he was selling me on something that i could just tell you okay you're, you're yeah, yeah. You're, you're trying to sell me too hard i'm nobody right now come yeah. on right like let's be real sure like i just did something at a festival but like that's not like yeah yeah you know, I wanted that person who was like, you know, hungry, mm-hmm. but savvy, mm-hmm. who had bigger clients than me, mm-hmm. who saw me as someone they could build upon. Be in the I want to be
0: middle. You don't want to be the biggest fish in that pond yes. for sure. And I was yeah. the
2: big fish with this guy. It's like, not going to work. Another one, uh, it just it just didn't work out personality-wise. One of them was actually pretty good. Um, another guy, Jacob Perlin, it went well. Oh right! Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah.
0: Anonymous. It went sure. well. Of just, the or Orrin's manager yeah. and Sam's. he just did a lot more comedy
2: yeah. at the time, sure. yeah. and I was just like, I don't know, you know. He did
0: just sell a big fancy documentary. Oh, yeah. Well, Amazing now he's China in a doc <laughs> and he did a magic doc, so hats yeah. off to Perlin Maybe he should manage
2: me now. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. But then I met this guy. You, you know, you should uh, write him. Uh, he's still
2: <laughs> taking yeah, submissions for the podcast. Jacob to be the manager. I remember he just, gave out know. his information. I've listened to this podcast. It's hilarious. Um, but then I met this guy at like, uh, what's that? The Soho house.
1: Sure. Yeah. Right. Sure, sure, but the funny sure. thing about
2: this one was he had emailed me and I totally forgot about it. Wait, who, who's I, your manager? I, uh, Lowell Shapiro. Okay. So he emailed me out of the blue and Delk came out Okay. and I, I just forgot about it. And then he emailed me back and I was like, Hey, um, just checking in if you want to meet. And I read his email and it said, I saw, I was at a birthday party. Someone told me about your film. I went home and watched it a lot at night and I thought to myself, this is awesome, and I think you can do a lot more than just doc features. I think there's a bright future ahead of you type of thing. He's like, but just hit me up. Uh, took, he, he went out okay. of his way to hit sure. me up. So I yeah. thought, okay. And then I met him at the Soho house. I thought, okay. He Wait, knows so how to...
1: you email him, and he's like, meet me at the Soho house. No,
2: I emailed him back and said, I'm interested. I'm meeting with a bunch of agents and managers. You know, play yeah, it freaking sure. cool, man. You're yeah. like dating somebody. like you got to play cool. Yeah. And he's like, meet me at the Soho house. So I go there. And I'm like, okay, he knows how to how to do this. Mm-hmm. He knows how to yeah, do yeah. business. Yeah. So I go in, and what I loved about him the most is that he had a boutique company with a buddy of his. They started with the co founder of UTA. I'm just giving him a huge plug right now. Sure. Yeah. But um and then they went out on their own, um, bought out that guy. Basically, if their clients don't make money, they don't make money. Mm-hmm. And I come from an entrepreneurial background. And I know that like when you work hard, like it means every dollar means a lot. He's not feeding off the nipple of a big agency or managerial company. If I don't make him money, he's either going to cut me loose or he's going to try and find a way to make money right from me. So we just did a short term thing. And I will say this, although he didn't bring me boardwalk, Mm -hmm. he did a great job sure negotiating that deal yeah yeah they paid for themselves that way. i did right. not have to be a part of it right yeah and i think that paid off in spades yeah so yeah, i someone else has to
0: be a bulldog for you right for sure yeah. i didn't have
2: to do any of that and yeah. it was wonderful to just like they did the deal and i walk in the office and it's it's great and you get yeah. to be the cool guy like hey we're making a show this yes, is so is. fun this oh man yeah. yeah and it's then he's going the around town yeah. opening doors and he's already set it up so I don't know yeah. what's to come. I don't know. Maybe next time on the podcast, I'm be like, well, that didn't work out. <laughs> but um, don't trust the. Shapiro. It seems like okay right now, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I don't no, know. Like, I think you need somebody. Yeah. Do
3: you guys find in doing this podcast that you get a lot of like uh, ma- uh, emails about like how do I get an agent? How do I get a manager? Or is it more process? Like, um, what camera should I use?
0: We, we get it every once in a while, but I think we talk about it enough on the show. That we don't get hit up too much. We do get emails about that Jacob episode. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, we yeah.
1: never get emails about what cameras should I use. Like no, we don't really get a no, lot of get, technical We get some stuff. gear stuff, but we, we don't talk about well, it. Well, we ever. get like what mics do you use for
0: your podcast? Because I'm oh, starting a we've podcast. We've gotten a couple like, should I get a gimbal conversations? Just yeah. a few. But, you know, there's just so many other better uh, right. resources for that. Like, we don't want to be in the like, gear lear, learn how worldly. to build okay, a. Good. You know, Dana Dolly out a PVC pipe. That's not our brand. You know right. what I mean? Like there are other awesome shows
1: for that. You yeah. Know?
2: yeah, it kind of started. there There's some questions like that in the beginning, but lately yeah, it's yes, more just yes. like story yeah. and how did you get it done? And yeah,
1: I mean, our yeah. number one question by far, like nine out of ten questions Can I guess? that we get. Yeah, you're gonna guess right.
2: Should I move to LA? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. One hundred percent.
1: Still. Still. I mean, so should we talk to, whole, like, Should mailbox. we talk to Luke about that? Yeah. All eyes are on Luke. Um, well, I think Luke can answer that question. Yeah, yeah.
3: Should Luke move to L.A.?
1: Okay, so I think um, you
2: don't need to move to L.A. Wow. I don't live in L.A. I yeah. live in Austin. Um, I will say this. The best talent is here, mm-hmm. and also New York. You need to come here. You need mm-hmm. to get fired up and realize that, say you're the best person in your little town, it's like going to a karaoke bar and everybody telling you you're great. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Sure. You're a tiny tadpole yeah yeah. like and maybe you are great too but maybe you are great, but you need to know that there's always someone better than you come out to la yeah come out that's why i would come out is like get fired up man like and look at the talent and look at the people you could work with look who can challenge you yeah yeah. and and find and that makes you even better so maybe you are badass come out here though and become even more badass go to toe i do think though that it's challenging i learned and i'm still learning myself in this is that making a series with a production company out here was Really difficult because I don't live here and I was on the road a lot Mm -hmm. So if you're not single that becomes problematic. You're gone away from home. You're always on a plane It takes a lot out of you Um, So my wife and I have actually talked about like if this becomes something That we need that I'm here more than often more than I'm not home Mm -hmm. or more than I am home Then we will move here. Yeah that's my simple answer on
0: that. Yeah, yeah. How often would you say when you're not on a show that you're in Los Angeles? Like, how mm-hmm. frequently do you come out?
2: Once every eight weeks. One. Whoa, eight okay. Weeks. Wow, oh, that's a lot.
1: Yeah, I thought you were going to say like twice a year or something. Yeah, once oh. every eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That meetings. couch must be pretty pretty nice, Bradley. One
3: airline, do you, do you it's one client? of the best
2: couches in the in the biz, dude. I got he's got a blow up mattress. Um, which I'm like 36, I'm like or 30. What am I? 30? Like, do I need to sleep on a blow up mattress? But it's cheap and it's affordable. And I get to sleep next to my best friends. Sure. Well, then so. you don't have to think about
0: whether or not you should come out or not. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if all of a sudden it was like, well, you're staying at the W now, and like you know you're coming every eight weeks all of a sudden that gets pretty
1: expensive and it does and
3: i made luke sign a contract that if he stays with us he has to hire me so <laughs> there
1: you go you know. perfect and what about um do you ever
2: do commercial stuff no but i want to I actually just had a meeting with my manager yesterday i was like i want to do commercial stuff yeah i find it great you lifestyle know lifestyle stuff like doc style
0: stuff yeah, man. yeah i think that yeah
2: something we learned from doing a series is that it's the same muscle yeah It's not that different, but, like, I I think that ultimately I just want to keep flexing that muscle and in a different way. I want to do a commercial. I want to do a music video. I want to do a narrative. I want to just keep trying different things. I mean, um, Errol Morris, I've seen him do Chipotle commercials. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that. you know, I bet that was fun for him. He got paid a lot of money. And he got a kick out of it. Dude, he gets paid he probably gets like a hundred grand per day. So, so like I think you always to it. gotta look at like I know some of your listeners out there like, well all I do is commercials or all I do is this but like at the same time, like people wanna do that. So like embrace that. Be thankful you can do that. Because I have never gotten hired to do a commercial. Yeah. I would love to do it. And yeah. no one's ever asked me to do it. The muscles the muscles are all the same. Like I, I, I do
3: remember when Luke first reached out to me, this was eight or nine years ago, I had written Whole bunch of features, a whole bunch of shorts. I directed a bunch of shorts. Never thought I would ever do anything in documentaries. I I thought I would never. Mm-hmm. I didn't really even like documentaries that much back then. And then, well, they weren't good yet. I know that's right because <laughs> we hadn't started making them. No, uh, but then he asked me to help him a little bit with one, and I was like, I don't know. And then he's like, I'll pay you, and we can go to the London. And I was like, I'm in. Um, but I learned within like a couple of weeks. It's like it is the same. Um, it's different exercises, same muscles. Mm-hmm. It feels like. So if you if you've got good muscle buildup from like writing scripts and like just really getting nerdy in a story and screenplay structure, you can take those skills and really apply them to documentary filmmaking.
1: Um, well, we should probably wrap things up. Yeah,
0: yeah, guys, let's hop into unpaid endorsements. Yes, unpaid endorsements.
3: I will say this is not uh, documentary related. Uh, it's. My unpaid endorsement is: uh, I just finished watching the final season of *Catastrophe* oh, on boy, Amazon, boy. and so good. It, oh, I watched the. I, I'm a big fan of the show. If, if you don't know, it stars Rob Delaney and Sharon uh, Horgan. Horgan, yeah, um, and uh, I had watched the first three seasons and was just beyond head over heels with it. And then it took forever that for the new season to come out. Uh, and then the new season came out and I watched the first episode and I was like, I have to re I, I loved it, but I was like, I have to rewatch all the season. Oh, it's cool. only,
0: that's what I've been thinking about doing.
3: Well, it's great because it's
0: only each season I'm, I'm, is I'm only just, six episodes. This is all I needed. This is the incentive I need. I'm it's going to start from the four beginning. four
3: seasons and they're only six episodes each. There's 24 episodes, yeah. which is usually a normal yeah. you know, network series uh, season. And I watched it in like three days, and then I finally finished the last episode of the last season last night. And I was so moved because it is—I mean, it's just such perfect writing, married with performing, married with really great directing. Yeah. Like, like yeah, it's really not great. flashy. Yeah. But I thought the finale. Did you see? Have you seen the finale? I, yet? I did. Yeah, yeah. It was gorgeous. The the way yeah. they shot some of the beach stuff and the the final scene. Kind of wrecked me.
0: It's, it's I can't stop thinking about it's it. It's one of my very favorite TV shows of all time. It's I unbelievable. Love it so
1: much. Yeah. I have not seen the final season, but you know, I, right? Rob Delaney's like child passed uh, away while they were making. Yeah, it, that uh, final season. I thought it was in between. In, maybe I, thought between. That I think annoyed. that's why yeah. it took yeah.
3: them a long time between season three yeah. and four to make it. And yeah, if well, if you want to cry, yeah. he wrote a very long essay about losing his child. Because his child had not to get super heavy, but his child had um, like can- more or less cancer. Cancer, yeah. And yeah. he wrote this incredibly poignant uh, article about like what that was, and he like pra- like extensively praised the medical community in, mm. in UK and how they helped him get through it. Um, and you kind of you can kind of sense a little bit of that in yeah. the final season. It doesn't go that heavy into losing a child but anyways catastrophe on amazon just amazing
2: i'll piggyback off of bradley oh there you go um a great series succession yeah there you go i'll say what i love about it is it is a total tragedy but it has great levity at the right moments i have a hard time watching something like the leftovers, great series. I had a mm-hmm. hard time watching it because I felt like yeah. so dark mm-hmm. at the end of every episode. Yeah, I just I don't mean, know if I can do the next. Wait, and you don't feel that way about Succession? No, because there's comedy. Kieran <laughs> <Yeah>. Culkin, man, <laughs> they sure, pepper it true. in. It's Mac- Adam true. McKay, Will Ferrell. You sure, our sure. executive producers. It's got to be comedy. Kieran Culkin, brilliant casting. Most of the casting you you've seen maybe some of their faces, but you can't name yeah, they're their familiar, names. But yeah, it's a, yeah. I think it's a great example of. A brilliantly executed idea you don't have to have a star mm-hmm, yeah. you have hbo but like i mean i just thought the writing is impeccable the comedy was perfectly timed and I'll also say there are some characters they introduced. I was like, why the hell are they introducing this person? And by the fifth episode, I was like, oh, my God, I love this character. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm, like, so team. Like the Greg. Greg. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Greg. Greg. Yeah,
1: Greg. Yeah, yeah. Greg. Greg or Craig. 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 I, I don't
0: know. The One of them always calls him Craig. As <laughs> yeah, a talk, yeah, a him, right? So, <laughs> so anyway,
2: yeah. that's my recommendation. Unpaid yeah. endorsement.
1: What do you guys have? Um, well, this is a weird one, but uh, you guys have rugs in your house? They're pretty cool. Yes,
0: I have rugs. <laughs> You know, I don't actually have any rugs in my house. I have three.
1: You should. So, uh, you know, I learned a lot of stuff from my wife. But, like, a rug can really make, like, define an area mm-hmm. in a room. Yeah. Ties the room and, together. And yeah. my my office, is down this hallway, like, my mm-hmm. home office, it's always been fine. I have, like, a little couch in there and, like, a big desk and my computer. And, you know, I've always kind of, like, enjoyed there's a big window. i enjoyed working there. Um, And I had kind of this weird kind of old round dirty rug and you know it was fine being in there but my wife just like bought this new rug for me but it's like white and fluffy and it just like has totally changed my entire like really happiness does, level <laughs> <I> love it <laughs> like both my wife and i are like we like literally just you have to walk through my office to get to our bedroom like we're like we just like like walking through this room She's all of a vibing sudden on this rug it's, now. yeah and so i think like if you're like in a weird rut You just go to, like, HomeGoods or Rugs.com or Rugs USA and just get, like, a... The Cure
2: for Writer's Block.
1: Oh, man. Honestly, it's, like, I almost, like, want to take you guys back there to look at it because it just, like, brightens the entire room. Can I go back there after this or the kid's going to be woken up? Yeah. She'll be woken up regardless. Can we take a picture of the
3: rug for the pod for the the show
1: Next to the storyboard we're posting? Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. I mean, it's not impressive. It's just, like... Made me happy. And so I just think like, you know, I mean, we talk a lot about like how you get into your writing place. And your stuff space. And yeah. It's just like made me want to be in my office. Because and you know outdoor. what the wrong move is? A small rug. You mm-hmm.
2: a I've one. bought a small rug. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, It's a bad idea. And then the room looks bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Can I throw one more just very quick thing on you? Mentioned- you can't do two endorsements. No, no, no. Very quick. Yeah, you can. Um, it's it, been it, done. It, it, uh, so so uh, Billions, mm-hmm. the show that comes on right after Action I uh, love that. First of all, I love Billions, but it's not about Billions. It's about the podcast that the cr- co-creator of Billions does. Brian Koppelman mm. who co-created Billions, also co-wrote Rounders, Ocean's mm-hmm. 13. And he, has,
1: he had that Vine channel. Do you guys know about that? No. He'd given uh, all yeah. these screenwriting tips we yeah. talked about okay. on the podcast. Yeah. yeah,
3: so he does his own podcast now called The Moment. Oh, and cool. And it is so good. Uh-huh. And at the very beginning of the year, literally the day before – uh we were going to like start insane editing on uh, action where it's just like January 2nd and it was this is January 1. He did an episode um or he re promoted an episode with Eric Heisler who wrote Arrival. Mm-hmm. And it was the most motivating hour of listening to uh two brilliant screenwriters talk about craft. And Eric Heisier walked you through in such an uh, approachable and profound way what it took for him to get Arrival made. Because Arrival, I thought, was yeah. such a good movie. Sure. But it was like an original. I mean, it wasn't It was based on a short story. Sure, but still. Like, Can I
2: read you the four points he made?
3: Oh, yeah. What are the four points?
2: When you're talking to executives from a network about notes. One, make them laugh. Mm, great. Two, make them feel heard. Mm. Three. Don't treat them with a sense of awe or condescending. Mm -hmm. Number four, only take the notes which make the show
3: better. Really good. So check out Brian Koppelman, The Moment. I just Um, added it to my Yeah, and then specifically uh, the episode with Eric Heischer, I thought just blew my mind. But every episode I think is really good. That's exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I had one tip to give Brian Koppelman. Yeah. (laughs) uh, And his podcast episode names. He only has the names of the screenwriters, which means almost nothing to me. If he had <laughs> sure. the yeah. names of the things oh, the they movies? wrote, the, uh, yeah. I'd yeah. probably be, it'd be easier for me to figure out which one to listen yeah. to.
3: Yeah. Okay, sorry.
0: Oh, no, no problem. Okay. Um, so, my endorsement is a New York Times article, uh, the title of which is Productivity Isn't About Time Management, It's About Attention Management. Ooh, I've read that headline. Um, well, read the article. It's pretty good. Um, I just have been thinking a lot about The nature of how I approach productivity and I approach creativity and how, you know, I've had like a little bit of writer's block for a little while now in a way where I can focus on the, um, I can get the other small things done. I can get like the treatment done or like, you know, the work work done, but like the big picture stuff, the big, I'm working on a feature right now and it's been taking, uh, Longer to really get that momentum that I'm used to, you know. Mm-hmm. I've been just kind of meditating on it a little bit more frequently, and this uh, has some interesting points just about the way we fetishize productivity, basically, and how um, you know that's just a thing I've been thinking about. Basically, mm-hmm. it's the, I think people keep asking asking themselves the question of like, how do I get more done? Mm-hmm. And it's less about. Um, it's more about focus, basically. It's more about deep work, basically, than, like, um...
3: Yeah, than getting a lot done. Than a, getting get a lot done. R- right, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, genuinely, though. Like, I think um, I maybe have been suffering from having
1: too much unstructured time, for sure. Yeah. yeah. My yeah. problem is I go to my office, and instead of writing, I just, like, want to lay on my rug. Oh, you <laughs> love that rug. It's so Dude, puffy. I gotta see this freaking rug. <laughs> Dude. Wow, we shouldn't keep our the guys from the rug, so... <laughs> We want to find out more about uh, Action, the show, or you guys. Do you guys tweet or anything?
2: Well, if you want to watch Action, tune in on Showtime or go on the app. Sunday night. Sunday night, and it'll be on the app forever. Uh, Yeah. So go check it out. So episode four comes out at 8 p.m. Eastern on
1: Sunday, April 14th. That's the series finale, right? Series finale. finale. And then you can... Go back or the season finale. Pardon me. Pardon but me. the previously we'll on is so good, you don't even have to watch the first three. Yeah, but I, I highly recommend going back because
2: <laughs> there's a guy named Vegas Dave that you just do not want to ruin it by watching episode four. So. Okay, that's true. Go back to one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am been, not on social media. That's right. Oh, congratulations. I know. So I speaking thinking, of focus, yeah. um, I'm completely off of it. I've been off of it for six or eight months now. So you cannot find me, but you can IMDV me. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, like you just can't You don't have me. a website? Nope. Um I don't even know. I might have one that expired in the
1: Quorum Clan.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
3: Uh well if you wanna ask Luke a question, you can tweet me uh (laughs) at Bradley Jackson. Yeah. At Bradley Jackson on Twitter.
1: Well if you wanna find us, we're on social media everywhere. Uh we're at just shoot it pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I am on Twitter as at and on Instagram at O. Kaplan. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enloe, everywhere. This episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe. The producer is Madeline Rosewatt. And our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And the music you're listening to is uh, from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazard. If you get a chance and can leave us an iTunes review, that would be awesome. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.